Hey, I'm Jason, and this is another irregularly scheduled episode of Stumble Through the Bible, the podcast that's crazy enough to believe that the Bible actually makes sense. In this episode, how the Bible tells us that God is a capitalist. Okay, the word socialist used to be an insult in America not that long ago. It was career suicide for any politician to be associated with socialism. Except in Vermont, where apparently the only career suicide is actually having some kind of a career. But lately we're hearing the term and the philosophy of socialism embraced openly by politicians more and more. And embraced by voters, too. Uh, And the pro-socialist people don't just sell it as a smarter way to organize your country. They imply or they say outright that socialism is a more fair, more moral system. So for Christians, for people who believe that God and the Bible is the source of morality, is socialism the economic system that God prefers? Well, before we go any further into that, let's make sure that we all understand the terminology that we're using. What exactly do we mean when we say capitalism or socialism? Let's ask Professor Dictionary. Capitalism. An economic system in which investment in and ownership of the means of production, distribution, and exchange of wealth is made and maintained chiefly by private individuals or corporations, especially as contrasted to cooperatively or state-owned means of wealth. Socialism. A theory or system of social organization that advocates the vesting of the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, etc. in the community as a whole, and in Marxist theory, the stage following capitalism in the transition of a society to communism, characterized by the imperfect implementation of collectivist principles. And while we're on the subject, here's communism. Communism, a theory or system of social organization based on the holding of all property in common, actual ownership being ascribed to the community as a whole or to the state. So, long story short, capitalism is private ownership of the means of production. And means of production means anything that produces or stores value, which is basically everything. So, long story even shorter, capitalism equals private property. Socialism technically allows for private property, but the government has so much control to regulate that it's private property in name only, and the government is the de facto owner of the property. You have private property until the government decides that they want you to do something else with it, and then they go and make you do it. Communism says that there's no such thing as private property. They just come right out and say all property belongs to the state. Socialism, uh, according to uh, Marxists, is just a way station on the way to communism. Socialism is communism with a better marketing department. So, with that established, how do we know what system God would have us follow? I think the answer is pretty obviously capitalism, But the main verses that I use to make that case are pretty obscure and rarely used, so please bear with me while I take a deep, deep dive into these arcane, little-known verses. Okay, are you ready? 
First one is Exodus 20:15. You shall not steal. Then here's Exodus 20:17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Why, pray tell, do those verses explain that God is a capitalist, or at least that God endorses capitalism? Oh, we get it, Jason. You're saying that socialism is stealing. You are dumb. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not comparing socialism to stealing, although it is stealing. The point that I'm making, though, is more fundamental than that. In the Ten Commandments, along with a whole bunch of other places in the Bible, the underlying assumption is that there is such a thing as private property. I have a unique and undeniable claim to my property, and it's wrong for you to take it, and it's wrong for you to want to take it. If there's no such thing as private property, then there's no such thing as stealing. And if everything belongs to everybody, as socialists say, then there's no such thing as covetousness either, because it it's all yours already. But these two commandments are obviously there to bless and protect a special arrangement, an arrangement in which an individual can own something in a way that no one else does. Ownership is a concept that is ordained by God, and it is sinful to deny it. Note also how covetousness, just wanting to take somebody else's stuff, makes it onto the big top ten list of highly important engraved stone tablet rules because covetousness is the gateway drug to stealing. Now, the counter-argument to this is in how the Bible, in many places, directs people to give their stuff away, to share it with the poor and orphans and widows and everybody like that. One frequently cited verse is in Acts, Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Okay, that's a good verse about sharing and about living together with your Christian brothers and sisters. The thing is, that verse doesn't have anything to do with the creation of a system of government. These are all brothers and sisters in the Christian faith, providing for each other, sharing their property with each other of their own free will, not under government compulsion. But even in that, when someone calls on you to be generous with your property, as you often are in the Bible, they're acknowledging the fact that it's your property. You have a unique authority to decide how it will be used. In fact, if you read a little further into that story, into Acts chapter 5, you'll find the Apostle Peter agreeing with me. Uh, In Acts 5, we find the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who sold a piece of land and said that they gave all of the proceeds of that sale to the church when, in fact, they held some of it back for themselves. And they were struck dead. Hey, 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 consequences. Uh, But not for holding back money. They weren't struck dead for keeping that money. They were struck dead for lying about it. And in Acts 5.3, you'll hear Peter sounding a lot like me. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it 
that you planned this thing in your heart. You have not lied to people, but to God. There again, just like in the Ten Commandments, the underlying assumption is that there is such a thing as private property, and it is yours to do with as you so choose. Now, God encourages you to be generous with it, but in encouraging you to be generous, it is acknowledgement that it's your property. Now, of course, in the relationship between me and God, everything belongs to God. But in the relationship between me and you, the Bible endorses the idea that your stuff belongs to you and my stuff belongs to me. This doesn't do anything to diminish the fact that God wants you to be generous with your stuff. I feel like that's also pretty clear throughout the Bible, not least because Christ, whom we're supposed to emulate, provides the ultimate example of generosity with the whole giving of his life for our sins thing. The fact is that the whole idea of community property is a denial of biblical truth and reality. You can see the practical effects in the tragedy of the commons, which is a term that economists use to describe the deterioration of assets that are used by everyone but owned by no one. Some good examples being uh, the furniture in a frat house or Madonna. Community property, uh, socialism and communism don't work because God didn't design the world to work that way. Um, He built a world where private property makes sense, and only private property makes sense. Let's give all that Jesus was a socialist talk the ridicule that it richly deserves. If anybody tells you that, keep a hand on your wallet. They may not have your best interests at heart. Okay, that's it for that subject, but as a side note, I'd like to make a personal request. One of the things that concerns me about doing this podcast is that I have lots of strong opinions about the Bible, but I am not an expert and don't claim to be. Um, But in broadcasting those strong opinions, it's one thing to lead myself astray, but I don't want to take anybody else down with me. So um, while I am not an expert... I know lots of people who are experts. I know lots of people who have studied the Bible a lot more than me. I know people who have received degrees in studying the Bible. I know people who are paid to read the Bible and explain what it means. So I'm calling on on, uh, my Christian brothers and sisters out there to help keep me in line. If you hear me saying something on this podcast that is just completely off the rails and unsupportable by scripture, I hope that you will get in touch with me and help set me straight. I've set up a special hotline email address at heresy at jasonranderson.com. That's heresy at jasonranderson.com. Please let me know, get in touch with me, and uh, put me back on the straight and narrow if I need to be. Um, And that's it. I look forward to hearing from you, whether you think I'm a heretic or not. And I will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening.